everybody, welcome back to the Rogue Grounds podcast with Kyle from Stall Agronomy. And this week we're going to talk about my, so my agronomist is wrong. Now what? I mean, that's it happens. You know, um, I will say I'm, I'm never 100% accurate. Um, and Mother Nature really likes to throw us curveballs. Um, I always have what I call prove the agronomist wrong fields every year. Yeah, and really what those are are situations where I told somebody not to do something or to do something and they did the exact opposite or, um, you know, I mean, somebody asked me for my advice and I tell them one thing and they do another. Uh, it, it always happens. And I, you know, there's, <laughs> if we had to pick a, a, a corner of the populace of the United States that really likes to prove people wrong, um, it's, it's definitely farmers. Um, and me including, or I'm, I'm definitely, would say I'm definitely one of those people that will try to prove people wrong as uh, as often as I can. Um, I kind of get off on when guys tell me that I can't do something. Um, when I left my previous job and they tell me I'm a, uh, they were talking about me in a meeting after I left and kind of heard through the grapevine that I'm a terrible salesperson. So guess what I am going to be doing <laughs> as much as I can. Um, anyway, it, it happens every year, right? We, Last year, uh, 2019 kind of had a lot of prove the agronomist wrong fields where I was proven wrong. Um, it happens. And those guys all kind of know that they got kind of lucky in, in most of those in instances. Um, and we had a few fields that were the opposite way, you know, where I said, you know, I don't think you should plant. We, we should take prevent plant. And so we planted and we had fairly low yielding corn that uh, they lost money on, and they probably would have made more money taking prevent plant. So it can definitely go both ways. I would say in 2019, the the biggest thing that happened this year was we got continuous rainfall that made a lot of the mistakes um, that we thought would be huge mistakes uh, early in the season show up to be not as big of a mistake. Um, there's a lot of corn that got mudded into fields, and there was a lot of shallow compaction, and... Um, I would just, there's, there's just a lot of compaction in these fields. And at some point they just kind of persevered. We had so much rainfall that it kept those roots pretty well moist and they kind of had a, a happy zone that they could kind of live in. So we had a lot of plants where roots were very severely stunted. I would say they're not, they would hit a layer and they pretty much went straight out and they still produced uh, 150 to 200 bushel a year. And we were kind of happy. Um, you know, we weren't really happy that the moisture was so high. But regardless, um, guys got really lucky that way. I, I know in 2017, we had a lot of corn go in, um, I want to say about May 7th to 10th, that went into fields where the, the slot wasn't closing. Uh, I told one guy, I said, I could do, I could check your population by just walking down the row. I don't even have to dig seeds. I can tell you what it is before they even come up this year. Um, and I pretty much is actually at the farm. Uh, I kind of walked out, looked at what he was doing and he kind of looked at me and he knew I wasn't happy about what he was planting into. And we kind of just looked at each other. I got in my truck and left and it turned out fine. That actually... 2017 that yielded pretty good. It's probably the best that farm ever has done. And why? Because we got plentiful rainfall in 2019 or 2017. Got really, really lucky. And uh it, it persevered one right through it. Um 
a lot of the proof the economist wrong stuff where I actually win, I would say, are on fields where guys want to plant alfalfa on alfalfa and autotoxicity takes over or, um, I don't know. I mean, there's weed control stuff is always a big one too. Um, I got a lot of guys that, well, if I can get away with 40 ounces roundup instead of 44, and it's like those things kind of happen a lot. Um, I mean, it, it just always seems to happen. So when your ground is wrong, is he an idiot? No, we're, we're not dumb. Um, you know, a lot of what we base our, our knowledge on and, and our uh, advice on is, I would say, experience and uh, calculated risks along with um, the, uh, a calculated weighing of, you know, how, how often this is going to work out. And, you know, calculated risk kind of goes both ways. Farmers play a lot of calculated risk. I mean, it's pretty much everything we do every year. You're planting corn with the hope that it rains and the sun shines. Um, so basically you're taking a weed and calculated risk every year by planting corn. Our biggest thing is basically trying to manage those risks and, and work within what we know um, is a probability and a possibility. Um, the things I've learned over the years, though, too, is, you know, we can preach and preach and preach that 50 degrees oil temperatures are where you got to start planting corn. Uh, we can preach and preach that you should never, ever mud in corn. Um, we can preach all kinds of stuff. But some years, that's the best idea. Um, there's a lot of times, Southeast Wisconsin's, you know, I would say a, a fairly extreme environment. Um, I know there will be people that are like, oh, everybody's got an extreme environment and Everybody always says there's like microclimates and eh, okay. Yeah. But we get a fairly short planting window for us. It's typically, especially in our area, it's about the first of May that maybe May 5th through the end of May. And then our prevent plant dates kicks in on June 1st. So we have a very small window to get corn in, uh, to begin with. And when things go wrong, it can go wrong really quick. I mean, if we have a two week planting delay, we're kind of screwed. Um, not totally screwed, but it really hurts. Um, so there has been years where guys wanted to mud stuff in or, you know, we, we push the envelope at the end of April and get some stuff in where it works out just fine. Um, I know 2012, we had some corn go in, uh, I think April 15th, 14th, 15th, whatever the or, uh, planning dates are. And I had a 50 acres somebody wanted to plant. They said it's the earliest they've ever planted and they wanted to plant it and we did it and we didn't luck out on that one. That was uh, July 4th was when it pollinated July 4th um, in Southeast Wisconsin. We were at 104 degrees, I think that day. And it was like a hundred, it was over a hundred for three or four days in a row, uh, right around pollination. That corn when we combined that, uh, I remember driving green carts and I went down uh, to one field and he did the headlands uh, and I got two loads in me, went up, um, dumped in the semi, came back down and I sat and sat and he said, you might as well just get out of the tractor and come right in the combine. And I was like, okay, this is kind of bad. And you could almost count the kernels coming in the green tank. So yeah, it was, um, it wasn't a good idea to plant then. I uh, did put some more corn in in the end of April, and I've talked, I think, about this before, but 2012, April, uh, the end of April and first part of May were really wet and cold. 
That corn ended up being all prevent plants, uh, except for a few acres. And actually the best corn that year was the end of May. Um, it just, it pollinated later. We got moisture right at pollination for those hybrids that were planted that late. And it ended up being okay for us. We, I mean, we weren't winning any kind of record yield contests, but we didn't have a whole lot of sub hundred corn. We had a lot of corn that was right around uh, APH, maybe a little over, a little under. So it was not a bad year for us. And especially when you consider the prices in 2012, we got really lucky. So some years it really plays to plan early. Uh, I've had a few this year that uh, kind of pushed the envelope early and those fields yielded really well. And some other guys that didn't. And then, yeah, we, we kind of ended up with prevent plants and all kinds of other fun stuff. But there were a few guys that we were waiting for near perfect planting conditions at the end of April, first part of May. And by the time we got to about May 10th, we got a little nervous. And then guys started mudding in May 15th-ish time range. And then we get rained out until about the end of May. And then more guys started mudding in the end of May. And then in June, all bets were off and guys were just going like gangbusters. So, yeah, it's... uh hindsight's kind of 2020 sometimes and then sometimes it doesn't pay to go early so i think you know when we ask you know is your agronomist wrong about something and can you if you prove them wrong then you know if he told you to do something and you do the opposite and it works it's a kind of a learning experience i've i've learned a lot of things about when to push buttons uh and when to tell guys to stop and when to kind of pull back and say you know let's this might not be the worst decision. Um, I used to be a little bit more by the book when I first kind of started out. And now I've kind of learned to be, I would say, more flexible. And and I've got a lot of experience of, you know, this can work, but we need to do this. Or this has worked in the past, but we've only done it this way. Maybe we should try it this way because this is what something else I, I think would actually work better. So there's there's always a lot of that, and I think that takes um, it just takes experience and and kind of kind of understanding and being out there and walking fields and working with guys. And you know, I, I ask a lot of questions of people that um, I I respect, and I always want to kind of learn from them and draw on their experience. And now I'm getting to the stage where people are trying to do that with me, and it's it's different and weird, but. Um, you know, I think there's there's a lot to be learned, and I think, um, you know, the days of, I guess I would say I was, I'm more flexible when I was at the co-op than I am now. Um, I think now that I get paid to, see, now that I get paid to give advice and, and be the person uh, on the farm and, and directly helping guys, I, uh, where I would let alfalfa stands kind of last six, seven, eight years, or... I'd let guys plant into the mud or I would let guys kind of get away with some, some planter issues or, um, you know, I mean, we kind of just kind of kept the customer happy. Um, at this point I'm looking at it as I'm a partner and I'm my role in the operations with the guys that I work with is to be that guy that says, Hey, you know, you need to stop or we need to get this alfalfa field out of rotation or, you know, you know, when we, we talk about prevent plant, it's June 10th. The realistic possibility of us getting a decent return on yield and our investment is really, really low. You got to park the planter. You just can't plant. Um, I guess 
I'm more flexible in that I understand some situations where things work and, and I'm kind of, I'm learning different soil types and, and, and there's some that around here that are more forgiving and, and less, some that are less forgiving and, and we kind of make some of those adjustments. I've learned a lot of that stuff, but where I've kind of grown, I think, since I've gotten on my own is where I'm uh, more apt to make um, more of a judgment and say, hey, this is, and speak up and actually say something about it. And that takes a little bit of guts. <laughs> and for me, that's not the easiest thing to do. But um, I think, you know, just talking to guys this winter and setting up plans for this year, um, I think a lot of what guys are looking for is that. They, they want to improve. Um, the whole point of getting out and hiring somebody like me is to is to get somebody who's actually going to be there as a partner or somebody that's going to help them and and not somebody that's just going to tell them that everything they're doing is just fine. So to me, that's, um, that's my thing for this year. It's kind of my goal is to be, I would say, more, um, oh, God, more outspoken um, and, and not necessarily forceful, but at the same time, I, I, I think we're going to make my opinions known uh, fairly readily. Um, I'm not going to go grab somebody's keys out of their tractor, but uh, at the same time, I think I'm going to uh, be a little bit more aggressive on on how um, how I communicate my feelings to people, and that's kind of me growing as an agronomist. But like I said, you know, I can always be wrong. Um, I'm never going to be right, and especially when you're dealing with Mother Nature and products and and a living plant. Um, things can go wrong, and things can go really good. And you just never know. Um, all we do is draw on probabilities and, and, and we weigh risks and we do draw on, on past experience and just use that um, to go forward. And I spent a lot of time uh, working with peers and, and people I respect and we bounce ideas off of each other. And, you know, it, it's kind of what it's all about. So if your agronomist is wrong, it's not the bad thing. Um, if they're wrong consistently or... They give you really, really bad advice all the time. Yeah, then the, then the you probably get rid of them. But uh, if they're wrong sometimes, um, but you know it could have gone the other way, and you know that. Yeah, you know. Um, and it's the same thing with the doctors. I've had guys where the doctor tells them, "Hey, keep weight off of that after the surgery," and they go out and and walk on it like two days later, and then a year or so later, they're back in to get it fixed again. So. Yeah, sometimes it's, it's it pays to follow advice, and, and sometimes, yeah, I, mean, I got the guys that are like walking pneumonia cases half the time, and uh, they make it right through it, and no problem. So, yeah, it happens. But anyway, hopefully you guys enjoyed this one. I'll catch you guys next time.